Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom from Jerusalem. This is uh, Powers in Play, our monthly show focusing on uh, global affairs. And uh, this time, the power of the person. Obviously, there is now uh, a single superpower, United States, with two close behind, China, and perhaps further behind, Russia. But the presidents of China and Russia seem to be superpowers in their own capitals, while the uh, U.S. president is not so powerful. Obviously, he has Congress to contend with and elections coming up in November of next year. So the question is, is the election, which right now seems to uh, be um, a rematch between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, is that going uh, to affect policy? Is that going to change materially what happens in uh, global affairs? Or to put it another way, different or indifferent? And with us, our distinguished uh, panel, all very honorable, with long resumes, which need not be repeated here. Eran Etzion, formerly of the National Security Staff uh, in Israel, retired Brigadier General Doron Gavish, formerly the Air Defense Chief in the Israeli Air Force, Ambassador Daniel Elon, formerly Ambassador to Washington and Deputy Foreign Minister, and Reserve Colonel Ruven Ben Shalom, formerly of the Israeli Air Force and several other clandestine occupations no one knows about. So, Iran, um, if you have to um, uh, consider um, all events, all personality traits, uh, the uh, political scene in which next year, of course, there is also the congressional cycle, uh, presuming that Donald Trump comes back into the uh, White House um, two years short of his uh, 80th birthday, and uh, Joe Biden leaves the uh, White House two years after his 80th birthday. Is the world going to feel the change? <laughs> That's a nice way of framing it. I have to say first that in your uh, overall description of the so-called powers in play, you started out by saying that obviously there is just one superpower, it's the U.S., with China and Russia uh, following it. I don't subscribe to this old view, with your permission. I think uh, the only peer competitor that the U.S. has, and will continue to have throughout the century as much as we can for forecast, is China. It's, uh, Russia is on a totally different uh, league, if you will. Can we and consider Russia a super spoiler? Yes, but it's certainly not on par with the other two. And definitely China is now a peer competitor 
the old prophecies made in the Pentagon decades ago are now being fulfilled. And when you try to really calculate, estimate the actual power, and of course, there's a big question, we can spend the whole panel about how do you define power and so on. Uh, Chinese power and American power are now absolutely peer competitors. And in some important measures, China already supersedes the US. So that's in terms of the overall playing field. In terms of the race between uh, Trump and Biden, um, absolutely, if Trump uh, gains access to the White House once again, the world will definitely feel a tremendous change. Um, much like, I'm tempted to say, much like the change that we all felt when he first entered the White House. It's a fascinating question to try and ponder what will be the actual changes in his policies, in his behavior, in his close circle between a first Trump term and a second Trump term, in and of itself, regardless of Biden. But if you want to compare a Biden presidency, second presidency, and a Trump second presidency, I think there will be very considerable differences. You know, we can look at kind of file, file by file, beginning with uh, Russia, Ukraine. Uh, one of the first things Trump is going to do is reverse U.S. policy on Russia in a comprehensive way, and specifically on, on Russia, Ukraine. NATO is going to feel the heat. It's all going to be extremely different. And just that's just one case. So I'll stop here. I could go on. Danny, uh, you've been uh, posted uh, to Washington uh, during the um, George W. Bush term. Obviously, a Republican president who took over from uh, a Democratic one, Clinton. And uh, during his first year, before you were there, 9-11 took place. Did you feel that there is a general consensus, a bipartisan consensus, and it didn't really matter whether it was Bush or theoretically Al Gore? Well, probably yes. Uh, I would say that, you know, Bush was uh, actually uh, uh, fairly um, a moderate Republican. Clinton was a moderate uh, Democrat. So there wasn't a real big gap in terms of policy, in terms of the worldview between uh, the two. So there was a continuity was a continuity, um, you know, with the Bush policy, even vis-a-vis the Palestinian and Israeli conflict. You know, they continued with a two-state solution, and uh, actually they they did try to uh, achieve what Clinton could not achieve in 2000, uh, Kim David. But I do totally agree with Iran. Personalities matter. You know, there is an history-old question. Do the uh, leaders make the history, or do they just respond to realities? And I do believe that uh, certainly in the last... uh, century or so, we see that the leaders make the difference. Without Hitler, there wouldn't be a World War uh, II. Um, with uh, Churchill, instead of Chamberlain at the time in 38, maybe there wouldn't be uh, also a World War II. And um, and Trump makes a, a, a difference. He, he will definitely um, focus on China. He is the one who started like six years ago actually to uh, really respond to the Chinese aggression, whether it was vis-a-vis the yuan's, uh, uh, the devaluation of uh, the the Chinese uh, currency as they were inundating the the world, certainly with their aggression in the the South uh, Chinese uh, Sea. So here we will see a uh, further, uh, I would say, uh, tough American policy vis-a-vis China. Does that mean that um, his efforts to get on Putin's good side were intended to have Russia as an ally 
against China? Probably, probably he would, you know, there, there could be also, and I don't want to go into it because there's a, there are a lot of, uh, um, you know, theories here, <clears throat> including all kinds of uh, nefarious ones, uh, that, uh, you know, he has some uh, personal interest. This is a show for the entire family. You don't have uh, okay. to go into the <laughs> okay. uh, so, uh, dossier. There, there could have been some uh, personal interest of uh, 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 Trump vis-a-vis -vis, uh, Putin. But yes, as a worldview, or maybe again, he rationalized it in uh, hindsight, but he really saw uh, Russia as part of, let's say, the Western Caucasian I would say, culture against the Chinese in, in the East. So certainly, I think the ones that we lose will be uh, Ukraine and, and uh, NATO. And, um, and uh, there is going to be an increased, um, I would say, Cold War between the U.S. and China. Reuven, uh, you've been in touch with your um, American uh, colleagues, uh, opposite numbers, um, throughout the years. Uh, we have seen recently, because this is the uh, third year in Biden's first and, who knows, only term, that the exodus from the administration has started. And in recent days, the um, uh, next level down from the cabinet secretaries of the departments of state and defense uh, has also announced um, the departure. Um, the... Um, uh, Deputy Secretary of State, Wendy Sherman, and the other Secretary of Defense uh, for Policy, Colin Call, uh, among others. From your experience, does it matter um, whether specific personnel are the ones through whom the presidential guidance is filtered? I think this connects to what we've been discussing now, do personalities matter? And it's yes and no, like we just discussed here. Also, I think this Change is not something that's unique to this uh, circumstance now. We've always seen that. Look at Trump's presidency with uh, national security advisors coming and going. Uh, and one, one of whom, at least, John Bolton, is now warning the American people not to re-elect uh, Trump because he is unfit for office. Mm -hmm. But this also shows the dynamics of uh, politics and administration. You know, that's, uh, it's, it's part of it. Uh, you talked about my colleagues. So remember, my colleagues were mostly military. And there, that is... That's firewalled theoretically from the political realm, but this also shows that for military personnel, you know, looking up, what do they have? The national security strategy, where theoretically has to do with who is the president, right? You would expect the national security strategy of Trump and Biden to be totally different. So, of course, they're worded differently. And even some things that are written on the ground, bottom line, what do you have? You have reality, right? So, uh, I think uh, Trump and Biden could use different terminology to refer to Russia and China, right? Is it rivals, peer rivals? Are they just the bad guys? Or, but, but, but bottom line, we understand where the challenges are. So I don't see anything unique with this uh, changeover now. And I also think that in general, the reality is such where we're not going to see a totally different uh, action by this president or that president, even though, you know, of course, Trump will come in and he'll move the American embassy to Jerusalem and he'll recognize the Golan Heights. So on, even on our little field here, Different presidents can do dramatic things that the other wouldn't even dream of doing. Yet the other will come into office and he won't reverse them because these are sensitive issues. Uh, Doron, uh, you have engaged uh, with general and flag officers. 
And um, uh, what we saw over the last um, six, seven years is that for the first time since the uh, very early 50s, two general officers, retired uh, four-star generals, first Mattis and now Austin, have um, uh, served as uh, secretaries of defense. As far as you uh, know, uh, when they, rather than their civilian uh, colleagues, occupy the office of the Secretary of Defense, does it matter to the officers who are still serving? Well, I think it does, because uh, they feel there is someone in office that uh, understands them, that uh, comes from the... uh, you know, for their environment. Uh, so for the officers, uh, for sure, it is uh, something which is important that the one that is serving in this position is one of them. Let's, let's uh, call it this way. But, but I would like to echo what was said by, by Ruven here, that the, the military, the, the guys that uh, we are working with, are, and, and I like the term fired wall from, from the politician. I mean, you really see it. And, uh, and, um, and I think, you know, in, in, in general, the, I also agree with, with this statement that the U.S. grant strategy overall stayed plus minus the... But you'd rather use the, the term same. firewall than Chinese wall. Well, yeah. The Great Wall of China. I, I agree. And, uh, but then again, you know, we could give another good uh, example that uh, when Trump administration was, uh, was in charge, uh, we shifted after... So many years from Yukon to Centcom. So again, a decision which is, for Israel point of view, of course, it's a very important one. But this is something that uh, was done very quick, and uh, and it is a strategic uh, decision. So yeah, you know, uh, people change, people make make a lot of uh, change, and uh, we saw with the uh, with the um, Trump administration a, a big shift on this. Iran, there are different cycles, different clocks in operation. Um, Congress, the House of Representatives, every two years has to be re-elected. The representatives uh, go on their fundraisers uh, immediately upon being uh, elected. Um, Senators every six years, presidents uh, every four years. But acquisition cycles and um, other parts of what the military does recruitment, uh, retention, Um, they all uh, uh, march to different dramas. From your point of view, first at the uh, Foreign Affairs Ministry and then at the National Security Staff, how do you reconcile, looking from Jerusalem at Washington, how do you reconcile all of these different cycles? From an Israeli perspective? Actually, that's the one constant in uh, Israeli-U.S. relations that we can rely on. We will have those uh, different clocks no matter what. So the whole system is synchronized, and uh, that's not going to be any different under any administration. But um, if we are trying to kind of look onto a potential, uh, either Trump or a Biden second term, and and compare the two, um, I actually, again, don't necessarily agree to what Doron was saying in terms of the so-called harmony or equality of the, of the grand strategy, regardless of the, uh, of the administration. I think there's going to the, the differences between, uh, and we can say a Republican presidency, because DeSantis, I think, on these issues, is, or, or anybody else that has a real chance, are not going to be different from Trump on the global perspective, global issues, foreign policy. Isolationist? Yes, that's where I'm getting. It's, but it's not only that. It goes also beyond the dimension of interests 
and uh, realpolitik into the realm of, of values and value-based uh, approach or strategy or grand strategy. And here I think the difference between the Republican and Democratic side has never been that stark. And we're going to feel it, again, regardless of the actual personality that, that takes the seat. There's going to be a stark difference between a Democratic administration and a Republican administration in, in the next cycle. And I want to put it as simply as possible, at uh, the risk of sounding simplistic, uh, a democratic administration is going to be much more of a globalist, uh, aggressively pro-democratic, and a republican administration is going to be much more of an isolationist and pro-authoritarianism. Uh, and that's going to make a world of difference across all policy files and across all domains. Uh, Russia is obviously a prominent example, so is China. But it's not only that, and it, and it will also impact uh, Israel-U.S. relations. Daron, um, the current uh, MOU, the Memorandum of Understanding, which promised Israel uh, $38 billion over 10 years, uh, will come to its end uh, during the second term of uh, either of uh, these two uh, gentlemen. Um, down the road, do you see the American commitment, not only the rhetorical one, we always hear about the ironclad, ironclad, but, um, and we have the Iron Dome. Um, nevertheless, um, things change, public opinion changes. Do you see Israel still relying on such orders of magnitude of um, military aid? Because it's not really um, dollar-wise. Uh, it's what you get when you go to the uh, Lockheed Martin plant and buy F-16s or F-35s. Do you see Israel still able to factor in such amounts of aid later in the decade and on into the uh, 2030s? Well, I think for sure this is something that Israel, from the Israel point of view, have to take in concern that uh, this is something that could change in the, in, the, in the future. And we can't say that this is something that would be there for decades and, and decades. Um, but we also have to remember that uh, this aid is uh, what is called an FMS aid, which at the end of the day... Foreign military sales, or now foreign military funds, FMF. Exactly. And uh, at, at the end of the day, we have to remember that it helps the U.S. industry because this, those are funds that uh, with those funds you buy, but only U.S. Yeah, we are very generous in agreeing yeah. to, to receive it. So, so, I, so, I, so I, see, I think that there is also a, a U.S. interest here. It's not only the, the Israeli interest that uh, are playing here. But uh, for sure, <laughs> this, this is something that it's significant uh, for Israel, for our uh, defense quality, for, uh, for our... Uh, military uh, overall, and uh, so yeah, this is something that we must uh, take in concern that one day it might change. Uh, but I'm not sure that it would be changed, as I said, so so fast because there is also a, a big American. But you know, Ruben, um, building up on what Duran just <laughs> said, if you look at Ukraine, where the U.S. has already invested ten times in one year, ten times the amount of this decade long. Um, support for Israel. Does it mean that uh, the Israeli aid is marginal and can be spared? Or does it show the uh, real standards of American interest that whatever happens in Europe vis-a-vis -vis Russia is so much more important than what happens 
in the Middle East and to Israel. I don't think we can compare these two cases at all. Israel is strategically aligned with the United States and beyond money for, for the United States, we are an asset. Now, I know this isn't the topic for, of, of today, but the United States gains a lot from the cooperation, from our mutual learning, the technology we evolve together. Intelligence is a huge asset for the United States, and I don't think we discuss that a lot, maybe for obvious reasons. So for, for the United States, this is a huge investment in U.S. interests in the region. Ukraine, I think, is a totally, totally different calculation. Also, it depends what side of the aisle you are in the States, because talking about we talked about nefarious uh, we can take it into that direction, business considerations in Ukraine, the whole issue of NATO. I don't think we can speak the same language. As for Israel, I seriously am not concerned. I've seen previous administrations, like even the Obama administration, that many Israelis say, oh, Obama is against Israel. No, he's not. Against the U.S. policy is very clear on Israel because we are such an asset. So during the Obama administration, the investment in Israel was never greater. During, by the way, the Biden administration, I think the package given, he, he bragged about this, right, was never greater and will always be like this, at least in the foreseeable future. I don't think there's any difference between this president. We're not getting handouts, this strategic alliance, especially all the things that the United States is facing now. And you can even see CENTCOM. CENTCOM are our good friends, right, not only because they like us personally and we get along great. It's because we are a, a strategic partner for CENTCOM. So I don't think I don't see this changing. Danny, when you uh, left uh, the, the uh, Foreign Service and went into politics, you became Deputy Foreign Minister. This is during the Obama-Biden-Hillary Clinton administration. Did you feel any change over from the uh, Bush uh, era? Not really in uh, substance, but somewhat in style, I would say. Uh, as far as the defense cooperation, it went, you know, full steam ahead, uh, just as uh, Reuven mentioned, you know, it's the interest here uh, that uh, that speak, you know, it's almost a seamless uh, defense cooperation, military cooperation between uh, the two allies. I would say Israel and the United States are natural allies for on many, many respects. By the way, on top of what uh, Reuven uh, mentioned, the United States' uh, interest now maybe to concentrate on the, Ori on the Far East uh, and basically leave somewhat the, the Middle East can only be based on the fact that they have here the backing of Israel to, to really uh, keep stability uh, in the region. And for that, I don't think that would be much different between a Democratic or a Republican administrations in, in the future. So when, when Obama said, Israel, we have your back, it wasn't a suspicious um, <laughs> remark. He meant it. it wasn't a suspicious remark, and it's not that uh, we have your back with a knife in our hand. Quite uh, no, just watching you. Yeah, but <laughs> but one one last thing I want to say that uh, during Obama, there was somewhat defunding of the military uh, and security budgets. And this is what uh, Trump complained about, and he increased it by 50%. Biden continued with that trend, given all the threats that we have, China and Russia. But, uh, Doron, uh, when you look at the uh, U.S. Um, armed forces, uh, they are quite hollow. Not enough planes, not enough pilots, not enough uh, Marines or, or soldiers um, who are willing to uh, uh, be retained because their families do not have uh, good enough housing. And there is not uh, uh, much domestic support for any military mission, which could be considered military adventures. So it's not only the presidential political will. Presidents 
must uh, read the tea leaves everywhere? Well, first of all, we're a military. We never have enough, as you know. Uh, we don't have enough airplanes and we don't have enough this. And this, this, this is our constant uh, situation. Uh, but uh, on a serious note, um, I think this is really, you're right, this is an issue that uh, the U.S. military, by the way, not only the U.S. military, also, also militaries around the world, uh, things are different, family are behaving uh, different, the culture is, is becoming a bit uh, different. So this is, this is uh, for sure one of the issues that uh, is there. I don't think that it is in, a, in a such a point that we would see it uh, changing the, the, the boots on the ground, let's say, in, in those areas uh, or in Israel or in some other areas. But this is for sure a concern that the U.S. military is, uh, is dealing with. And, and, but I'd like also to, to refer to a point that was uh, made by, uh, by Danny before. And by the way, these boots on the ground are being produced in Gaza <laughs> or Bangladesh. Yeah, probably Bangladesh. Um, but I think, you know, we, we are, we, and we talked about it uh, before um, um, in depth on the U.S. Uh, strategy and what would happen in the Middle East and uh, are they going to leave uh, this area and so on. I, I really don't think that they're going to leave this area. Um, uh, because also the, the, the one on two interest that was uh, described in their interest, which is uh, China and, and, uh, and Russia, are deeply involved in the Middle East. So there is a lot of things which, even if you look on the, your, the U.S. interest vis-a-vis um, uh, -vis, uh, China or Russia, look what is happening now with Iran. I mean, this is, I mean, this is something for sure that the United States is, is looking at the, the, the relations between Iran and uh, Russia. So I think that still the Middle East, our area, CENTCOM for sure, would be a significant uh, um, um, partner for us and, uh, and very uh, high interest for the United States. But uh, everyone talks about deterrence. Deterrence means you are issuing threats. The other side... That you're willing to... Uh, yes, the other side believes that uh, you uh, may do it. But if you don't have domestic support, there is no point in issuing empty threats. Yeah. Is there a difference between Republican and Democratic administrations in this regard? Uh, Iran mentioned the isolationist uh, strain in yeah. Republican uh, foreign policy. Well, I think at least if, if we look at, the, again, let's look at the, the, the last uh, 50 years, for the Israel, um, maybe starting from, from 68 and, and, and going on from, from the United States uh, point of view, I think that the support was there. If it was Republican, if it was Democrat, and then Reuven mentioned it before. I mean, you know, everyone in Israel was sure that uh, during the Obama administration, there would be no aid and, and so on. And then it was the, the biggest aid ever was were during the Obama administration. So I think the will is there. And the question is always, at the end of the day, what is the U.S. interest? And there is a big U.S. interest. Israel is strategic ally in this area. So it, it changed. Of course, it, it, this, there are different between, uh, between governments. But I think that in general, at, at least from my point of view, for the next uh, coming year, if it would be Democrat uh, administration or Republican administration, I see the relations with Israel uh, very strong. Iran. Don't uh, even ask because I can relate directly and I want to, I want to go ahead because I have a very different view. Yeah, of course, Iran. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're here. Uh, yeah, that's what you to say something different. Um, <laughs> I think it's not only wrong, it's <clears throat> dangerous to assume continuity on Israel-US relations, also on uh, Israel foreign aid to Israel in the coming administration. Um, yes, it here it does depend on whether or not it will be Democratic or Republican. If it will be a Republican administration, 
probably uh, it will be more similar than not. But in a democratic administration, even if it's a second Biden administration, I suspect there's going to be a world of difference. And it takes me back to the first part of the conversation. We went overall from a paradigm of the Cold War <coughs> between the U.S. and the USSR to the global war on terrorism and the multipolar world. And, and now we're shifting to a G2 China-US new framework globally, with Russia playing a certain role we want to elaborate on. And uh, I think everybody, including Israel, is going to be demanded by the US to choose sides, something that Israel has consciously refrained from doing. And the Ukraine case, again, was a very good case in point. Israel refrained from doing what the US was expecting of it, and to align with the U.S. and the democratic camp. And by the way, this was true about the Netanyahu government and the so-called change government. So strategically, Israel, unfortunately from my perspective, I think it's totally wrong, chooses to continue this dangerous game of walking a tightrope <coughs> between the U.S. and China. And I think in the democratic administration, that's uh, not going to fly anymore. And if Israel will continue to choose to play this kind of game, it will also suffer not only in the overall kind of temperature of the relations, the strategic alliance and all that, but also in terms of the uh, foreign aid. Danny, when you were uh, in Washington um, at the, uh, in the second uh, part of the first decade of this uh, century, this millennium, um, you have gone from the first Bush term to the second one. Obviously, his father... George H.W. Bush only had one term. So uh, we don't know what would have happened had Bush uh, senior stayed in office, had Jim Baker, who left the uh, State Department uh, to his uh, deputy Larry Eagleberry, gone back and mediated in the Middle East. Perhaps everything uh, would have been different. Would, uh, we would have seen the continuation of the Madrid process rather than the start of the Oslo process. But the, the point is, in a second term, when a president cannot be re-elected uh, for a third term, he is uh, perhaps freer uh, to do what he uh, refrained from doing during uh, the first uh, term. Both Biden and Trump, if he comes back, will have uh, this freedom. Do you think there will be any difference between these two regarding this point? Well, this is true. Um, and uh, Amir, you know it very well, that the second <coughs> presidential term is mostly a foreign policy uh, term. The first term is to consolidate uh, domestic issues and to, we know that Americans by and large um, vote on domestic issues on the economy. It's the economy stupid. And, uh, and only on the second term, they really can have the, uh, you know, the wherewithal and the freedom of mind and politics to concentrate on, uh, on world affairs. And by the and way... And to nominate Supreme Court justices if, uh, if the other side allows them. Absolutely. To. And um, uh, near as I can tell, most leaders, by the way, prefer to uh, dwell and to deal with foreign affairs than domestics. You know, here they can have this uh, grand mastery of, uh, of uh, strategic uh, leadership. Uh, they don't have all this uh, minutia of the economy and, and other things. So, but second term, also most presidents are very much concerned with their legacy. 
So it's, uh, it's also their legacy that they want to, to leave behind. And here, probably Biden and Trump are totally uh, different in what they want to leave uh, behind. So this could be quite different. Uh, one thing that uh, we did not discuss here is Iran because uh, the Iranian issue also may be dealt differently under Biden or, uh, or, or Trump. And, uh, and in that respect, I think that, uh, and here I would like to uh, differ with something that was said here. I think that the U.S.-American, uh, uh, the, the U.S.-Israeli uh, uh, partnership alliance will continue because of the new Chinese-Iranian pact so even it's a Democrat or Republican, they will continue to support. They will continue with the, uh, the defense aid, the, the military cooperation. And, um, and uh, I but think... We, we but are, with Iran, the question is also who is going to be the next supreme leader when Khamenei finally meets uh, his uh, creator. Now, uh, regarding the um, uh, domestic electoral base of both Biden and Trump, there are two uh, questions. One has to do with American Jewry. Um, from your contacts uh, with visitors or when you uh, traveled to the United States, do you see any change in the uh, levers of power American Jews will hold in a second Biden administration as um, distinct from a second Trump one? And the question doesn't have to do a lot uh, with personnel in the uh, administration because uh, obviously they have American interests at heart. It doesn't matter whether the, a particular secretary is Jewish uh, or not. The question has to do with organized um, Jewish uh, groups, so-called lobbies, uh, whether they have uh, uh, different uh, powers in a Republican or in a Trump administration, to be uh, more exact, than in a Biden one. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I'm the right one to answer this question because all my family is in Hollywood and the West Coast. And <laughs> so for me, American Jewry are Democrat and Trump is crazy. Um, <laughs> but, but in general, also, I think it's a, a sense. This of, is not necessarily the point of view of this show. It's just your course. family in California. <laughs> my family and friends in the West Coast and the United States. So really, I don't know if I could from the right person to analyze the American jury on this. Um, and, and also here, the people that I speak, I don't see a big difference uh, throughout the years. And in general, in the United States, the, the politics are so polarized, like we have here, uh, that it's really troubling to, to, to see. So it's troubling here, and it's very troubling to see that from, from afar. So it depends who you are and who you vote for always, right, and who your family always voted for. And according to that, all your worldviews uh, go. So if it has to do with abortions, right, if it, gun control, Biden, Trump, right, it's black and white, uh, and, and uh, your whole worldview is shaped by that. And it's troubling because reality doesn't, doesn't work like that. Um, it also means that having a discussion like this uh, is very sensitive even for me, because how could I relate to each and every subject? It depends who you are. It depends what you think. I also see a big difference in the rhetoric, between rhetoric and what is done, because you see Trump before his elections, he said, America first. And what did we think? He's pulling back, right? No need even, we don't even need an army, right? We're focusing inside uh, jobs and that's it. Yet the moment after he comes into office, what do we have? Reality and the world and the challenges and China and Russia and all that. So even here, I don't see a big difference now when they will come into office. Doesn't matter who they are. They have to address it. What will be the difference? Personality. Because uh, Trump 
has his style, has his rhetoric. Uh, he thinks, for instance, he claims that he'll solve the Ukrainian issue in 24 hours, right? I'll bring him to the table. It'll be over. Is he a magician? It's very easy. He will come to Putin and he will tell him, Ukraine is yours. That's it. Right. Now, is he a magician? No, which leads me to another problem that we have. And that is also here and also there, this, this, this uh, political culture of making leaders into, into wizards. Like, we have Bibi here and his supporters. And there we have Trump supporters. Like, nobody's a wizard. We, we had them Nobody's Israel, a magician. Those who said that in Gaza Strip, uh, it's a matter of 24 hours. Which what means also that my recommendation to the American people is, you know, Someone was a president, you were the president, now let somebody else, which leads to the age issue, by the way. Let someone else, let a younger generation. You know, whatever you did, you did. Okay, time for someone else. You're not a magician. Trump is not going to save This, this rule does not apply to, to this, uh, our discussion, <laughs> and especially not to anchors. That's full disclosure. Yes. Uh, Iran, the um, Trump base, mm -hmm. evangelical, right-wing, conspiracy theorists, people who believe that uh, the uh, last time around the election was rigged, was stolen uh, from Trump. Good Christians, conservatives, yes. What, what does that mean, should he come back uh, to foreign policy and national security? Well, in my mind, I have this very uh, uh, visible, clear frame that cuts across domains, also cuts across domestic and, and foreign policy domains, and follows more or less the same lines that were so typical of the first Trump administration. Uh, and it connects the dots. It connects the dots both in terms of uh, foreign and domestic policy in the U.S., and also, again, across the files, including the Israeli file. Um, and again, here I have a slightly different view, view from some of my colleagues here, um, I think this polarization that Ruven was justifiably talking about will have a tremendous impact um, on uh, Israel-U.S. relations. And the base that you alluded to is going to have a tremendous impact on that, just like it had in the first Trump administration. So, and, and you know, always when I was in the foreign ministry, we were always looking at those pairs of the Israeli leader and the American leader, you know, Netanyahu-Obama. We all knew it's going to be a catastrophe. Netanyahu-Trump, we all knew it's going to be much more of a uh, harmonized situation. So who's to say who's going to be prime minister in Israel 6, 12, 24 months from now? But if it's still Netanyahu, um, obviously a Netanyahu-Biden administration uh, is, is not going to be harmony in any way, shape, or form. And Netanyahu-Trump administration, actually that's, I think, much more of a question mark that people might tend to, to assume. Um, but as far as because Trump still resents Netanyahu's early uh, yes, and because endorsement from, from of Trump's, Biden's from Trump's perspective, Netanyahu did not provide the goods that, that he was supposed to. But more importantly, um, he will not need the evangelical vote again because he won't have an, another term. Yeah, that's Trump also will true. do a lot of things on his own. But there will be a midterm election in yes, 2026. But he couldn't care less. He couldn't care less. It's Trump. It's all about himself. Yes, but he does. If he doesn't have the majority in Congress, it will impair his uh, policies. Right, but he it. will concentrate on foreign policy. Go ahead, But, but the, uh, <clears throat> the hard base, the hard right that will support uh, a Trump administration, and a Trump administration will have to to listen to, uh, at least as far as Israel is concerned, uh, obviously will not change. And this whole notion of annexation of the territories. Uh, the enshrining of, of Jerusalem, 
the anti-Arab uh, sentiments, all of that is going to persist and will have an influence on Trump. Finally, two questions for the four of you. Please be brief. Should Israel, uh, having heard what Iran just said and all of you, should Israel try to meddle in the next presidential election or will it backfire? Reuven. No. Your turn. No. <laughs> well, I agree. No. <laughs> Iran. Could, again, you, could you elaborate on the negative? Uh... <laughs> yes, again, uh, my frame is also here very strong. Uh, we are going into, we are already entering into, and we're very deep into an era where everything splits between the pro-democracy camp and the pro-authoritarian camp. It's true about Israeli domestic politics, it's true about American domestic politics, and it's true about global affairs. So if Israel uh, sees itself as a democracy, and unfortunately, this government is, is not in that line. But if Israel will have a, a real democratic uh, administration, Israel will have an interest that the U.S. will have a similar uh, domestic Ameri pro-democracy American administration. It doesn't mean that we have an influence, but it certainly means that we can and should raise our voice, much like we raised our voices against fascist, anti-democratic, authoritarian regimes in, in Europe. And we didn't think it was forbidden for us to meddle because we speak on behalf of the world jury, we speak in terms of the uh, lessons, the historical lessons of the Holocaust and all of that. Yes, it's also true about the future American administration. So the three no's were briefer than your own reply. <laughs> we don't have uh, enough time for the last question, which was going to be, uh, you said, foreseeable future. What's after the foreseeable? Uh, for the time being... Black hole. Black holes, sure. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Iran Etzion, Doron Gavish, Danny Ayalon, and Ruven Ben Shalom. This has been Powers in Play on TV7 News Israel. Shalom from Jerusalem. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media. 